welcome you guys back to Defy the Odds with Vernon Barnett. I have a special guest with me here today, and we're short on time, but I want to make the most of our time. A quick introduction on this gentleman. His name is Ravi Raja Ratnam, and he is a seasoned executive business strategist, leadership coach for over 25 years. Also, he's coached small companies, medium-sized companies, and Fortune 50 companies on leadership, so I think he knows what he's talking about. Thank you, Ravi, for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so um, I took a little bit of time to research some of your past interviews, and one of the things that jumped out to me was that uh, you were originally from Malaysia. That is correct. I came here back in 1985, mm -hmm. grew up there. In fact, my great-grandparent migrated from India to Malaysia. Wow. So three generations of Malaysia came to school here and uh, stayed here. Okay, and um, that's where I wanted to start today because you know not too many people come from another country to come to, well to come to um, the United States and they make it big oh, or okay. do what they intended on doing. So um, when it comes to Malaysia, who would you say was influential to you in your life at at that moment? At oh, that moment, definitely my mom and dad. You know, you learn a lot from them. My dad was you know a police officer. We didn't really have that much. We were more middle income, mm -hmm. and. Uh, my dad was the only person who was working. Mom was a homemaker, okay. and there were six of us. Wow. So, were you the oldest one? I was the youngest. I was the total brat. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, somewhere in the middle. I have an older sister, younger sister, and a mom, so everyone kind of, like, takes care of me. Was that the same for you? Uh, no. I was, yeah, I was a little bit of a big brat. Okay. Because <laughs> there were three boys and three girls, so the sisters took care of me. Okay. The brothers were always beating up on me. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know about it just from friends, but not exactly from brothers, but uh, when it comes to you having that uh, foundation in Malaysia and then wanting to come to the United States, was there a catalyst or was there a talk that you had to have? or? What was so the... the catalyst was when my dad passed away when I was 20 years old. Okay. My dad was only 54. And at that point, I was like, I was really bitter at the world. Why my dad? He's so young and mm -hmm. things like that. And I started searching and I, I could not find an answer. At that mm -hmm. point, I said, okay, there are certain things you can't comprehend, but as long as I'm here, I'm going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I started gravitating towards helping kids in you know, rural you know, countries and things like that. At 20? At 20. Wow. Yeah. So your heart was already bigger. Exactly. And again, going back to my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom, she would have been a great CEO if she ever worked in corporate, mm -hmm. but she was very resourceful. So I took, you know, the passion from her in terms of helping others when you have and also being resourceful. You know, she was like a MacGyver, a female MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, like a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> exactly. And my dad was, you know, he gave respect, the same level of respect all the way from the janitor to the CEO. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, when I would go out with him, and he would always spend time to find out, okay, how are you doing? How was she, how's your wife? How are your kid? We were like little kids, like, come on, Dad, come on, Dad, let's yeah. go. But that really impacted me as I grew older to mm -hmm. make sure that, you know, you gain respect. You don't get respect just because of your title. Yeah, yeah. And that's what differentiated me as a leader. You know, a couple of things. One is building relationship. Mm-hmm. And treating someone like a human being rather than treating them like a number. Right. That was important. Okay. And that was the point. That was one of the characteristics from you that jumped out to me very, very immediately when I met you um, in the office that we both shared at one time. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you would stop, listen, smile, greet, 
every single person, not just the most important person or the second to the most important person. And that's what really stuck out to me. And that's why I wanted to get to know you a little bit more. And that's what we're doing here today. Um, the next question that I would have is, you know, when you come to the U.S., you have um, a lot of values from Malaysia, from your mom, your dad, and then you come to the U.S. What type of adjustments did you have to make? It was huge because I was the only one here. And, uh, you know, you mess up, guess what? It's Mom all and dad's not here. It's all on me. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, college wasn't uh, rosy, let's mm -hmm. put it that way, because I came into this country here with a total of U.S. $10,000. Okay. That's it. And that was the first year's tuition. I had no clue how I was going to pay the rest of my tuition. Oh, man, that's inspiring. Yeah, so I still remember having a bag of chips to last me for three days. Ooh. Yes, yeah, so I had, like, multiple different jobs, you know, working the night shift. At night shift was $4.25 at that time, Ooh. an hour. Day shift was three seventy-five. So I worked all these different jobs. Thankfully, I got a scholarship, mm -hmm. and I finished it earlier. But uh, I stayed in an international dorm, so what they tried to do is pair you up with the American so we can do like the cross-cultural. Oh, yeah. And I was just blown away how a lot of the American students here, like, one, they did not have an appreciation for what we had mm -hmm. or we didn't have. Everything was for granted. And uh, that really taught me a lot in terms of, hey, you know, I how can I educate people down here? And that's where my journey started, mm -hmm. educating others. It's like, hey, just because you have this doesn't mean that you have to discredit others that did not have, yeah. you know, giving and things like that. Yeah, that was, that was something that um, I've appreciated, not only from uh, you, but other people that I've met from other countries, is that I know people who grew up in San Diego, and they find excuses why they can't win. Oh, well, my, my parents don't have enough money to pay for college and all these other things, but someone is coming from 9,000 miles away jumping over the Pacific Ocean all alone to come here and have a better life for himself and his family, that's inspiring to me. Yeah, the key thing I always, you know, my parents always taught me, as long as you have your intellect and your confidence, no one can stop you. Who cares what others think about you? As long as the loved ones and people that really care about you know who you are, your characters and things like that. That kind of drove me. Mm -hmm. And I always went into any relationship with a giving attitude, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that I'm not taking... Stephen Covey is one of my mentors, and mm -hmm. he talked about emotional deposits in terms of always giving, putting deposits and things like that. Yeah. And then when you have to get the withdrawals, you already have, you know, you're not in a deficit. You already yeah. have a plus. So that kind of helped me throughout my career as well. Mm -hmm. That's something that I've heard you talk about before, but I didn't know where it came from now to hear Stephen Covey. Uh, also, in one of your past interviews, you talked about a good mentor of yours, Wayne Dyer. What does Wayne Dyer mean? to you? Main Dyer means the world to me because I've been living the what he preached for the longest time. Uh, he said something so beautiful that I repeat to as many people as I can. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of people are guilty about the past or worried about the future mm -hmm. that they forget to live in the present. That might be me. And then he said the <laughs> present, he doesn't stop there. He said the present is called present for a reason. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. So while you're here, live in the present and make a difference. What do you want your dash to say? Because you come into this world with nothing, mm -hmm. naked. You're going to leave this world with nothing. Mm -hmm. So everything that you acquire, your cars, your title, your houses, your relationship, and things like that, guess what? You're not going to take it with you. Not at all. So you, what do you want people to say in eulogy? 
you know, I'll, that's that's my. You know, I want to make sure I leave a legacy, mm-hmm. and I have certain different causes that I'm very passionate about that continually on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, that I know I'm truly making a difference, and that's what I want to leave my life. Yeah, and uh, I happen to have a legacy tattoo on my arm, um, but to hear what legacy means to you is also very important to me because now I can uh, raise the bar or mm-hmm. what is expected of me as a man later on in life. Um, one question that I do have is what were maybe some of the values or maybe the skills that you brought from Malaysia that put you ahead of some of the people in the United States? The number one is humility. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humility, that again came from my mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you are, uh, what status you have and things like that. Always be humble, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, the other person, whether this person's a janitor or three levels down, he's still a human being. That's for sure. Right? So humility was number one. Number two was respect. Mm-hmm. Kind of go hand in hand, right? What I told you earlier, you don't res- uh, gain respect just because you have a title. You have to earn it, mm-hmm. right? And that kind of transferred into what my leadership style is. You know, my leadership style could be best described as servant leaderhood. Okay. Right. Always willing to serve first, seek 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 first to understand before being understood, and things like that. Yeah. So those are some of the core anchors. And then again, the other one, you know, from my mom, of course, being resourceful. Right. You never fail unless you take it as a failure. Okay. To me, you know, you've heard this before. Failure is an opportunity to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a lesson learned. The only time you fail is if you did not get any lessons learned from that. So I always tell all my subordinates, you know, people that work for me, mm-hmm. if you're going to fail, fail forward. Okay. Right? Incrementally going forward, just like Thomas Edison, right? He failed so many times until he made the light bulb. Mm-hmm. But every time he progressed, he failed forward. He failed forward, failed forward. Yeah. So don't take failure too hard because that's the only way that you learn. You know what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what's working, what's not working, you spoke about um, how much you were paid when you first got here and what type of jobs that you first took. Then when it comes to, you know, you being able to move up and go to the next levels, what were the next levels after that? So I started off uh, when I was back in Malaysia. My first job was as a waiter in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, I love chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was a waiter. It was great. Then I went to work as a laborer into a, in a rubber plantation in Malaysia, mm-hmm. you know, creating bales of rubber all the way from the truck to the bonded store so they can, you know, stretch it and things like that. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I still remember all the guys working down there. It's like, why are you doing here? You seem educated and things like that. I was like, you know, it's okay. You know, I want to see how it feels. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking to you, I know what you're going through. Yeah. Right? So I did that, and then I came to U.S. I got all kinds of jobs. You know, I was working at the front desk, at the kitchen, <laughs> at a hospital, you know, you name it. Then I went into my bachelor's was in computer science. Mm-hmm. So I went into computer science. I was a programmer early on in my career. Lasted mm-hmm. three years, then I went into management, and then I worked myself all the way up to a chief information officer. Yeah, and that was for Tony Robbins, yes, his company. that was correct. Okay, so how does someone come from Malaysia to being you know, all the way uh, helping Tony Robbins get to his his level. I mean, what type of growth happened in between that? That's what I, that's what I want to know. Because, you know, some people, they get stuck in, okay, well, this is my job. This is where I'm at. This is my identity. But that was not your, your path. You were able to jump to the next level. Yeah. The key thing is to making sure that you're always seeking feedback, mm-hmm. always looking to improve, right? I was a nut for self-improvement. Mm-hmm. I still remember... One year into my management role, 
my manager told me to do a 360-degree feedback. What that means is you take feedback from your manager, your peers, your subordinates, your business partners, and things like that. It's Everyone. An, yeah, it's an anonymous survey. I, I, you know, nobody knows who's giving you what feedback. I looked at that and was like, oh, my God. I had so many blind spots. Mm-hmm. From that point onwards, you know, I changed. I started learning, you know, how to communicate, what makes sense, you know, building relationship and all that different thing. And ever since then, I'm still a nut for self-improvement. And I have so many different mentors that, you know, got help me all along. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know they're my mentors, but I've, re- you know, got their books and CDs and things like that. Yeah. So always growing was important, you know, because it is important to have a growth mindset. Too many people, you know, when I tell them something, hey, this is about a certain fact or whatever, they'll try to argue. It's like, well, what do you mean? You know, have you done the research and things like that? Then the others are like, oh, my God, that's fascinating. How could we do better, right? Yeah. And neuroscience has shown that our brain is very malleable, and we are always learning. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have a growth mindset and always willing to learn, that's the trick. Yeah, I mean, I'm a growth-type individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and development is very important to me. Um, when it comes to now, you've developed yourself. Now you've gone to the top of... Um, corporations, then you come to a point where you're speaking to corporations, specifically Fortune five, Fortune 50 companies on how now they can improve in leadership areas and other areas. Um, how did that happen? Yeah, one of the things uh, about me is I don't play the politics, the corporate politics. Okay. I'm pretty blunt when I tell them that, you know, and I try, I do it in a way that, hey, I'm here to help you. It's mm-hmm. up to you. You know, this is my rec- pedigree. This is what I've done, you know, and I know where you're at. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times when I'm talking to the C-suite, whether it's a CEO, a COO, a CMO, whatever, mm-hmm. it's the ego that comes into the way. Yeah. Right? So I'm telling them the ego is not going to help you. Right? <laughs> so shut the ego. <laughs> so And I don't mind going toe-to-toe with them because I've been in that seat. I've been in their shoes. Right? Mm-hmm. And I've told them this is what worked. This is th- what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I say, try it. What do you got to have to lose? You know, just try it. And it's amazing when they try it and how they develop, and then they become my lifelong friends. It's like, but it all started with me being honest with them mm-hmm. and practicing tough love and yeah. saying that you want me to come help you, so it's up to you to listen. You know, I got nothing to gain. It's uh-huh. You got everything to gain, yeah. right? So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So they appreciate that. Initially, it's like, who the heck are you to tell me what to do? You know how exactly. big I am and things like that? <laughs> I was like, I don't care. At the end of the day, going back to my childhood again, mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, what title you have. You're still a human being. For sure. Right? You still have emotions, and you need to pre- treat another person as a human being as well with respect and dignity and things like that. Mm-hmm. So once you break down that barrier, then you can have the open conversation. Oh, man. That's that's a nugget for you guys out there if you're listening. Uh, then when it comes to um, now, you have not only helped companies with their leadership, but you also help. Uh, Navy SEALs, and special operations personnel, too. So um, how do you find so much time to do so many things at once? And you have a speaking <laughs> career, too. I mean, I've seen you in Singapore. Yeah, uh, my wife thinks I have ADD. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Uh, what I like to do is I like to keep busy. To me, that fuels me, mm-hmm. right? Seeing someone develop fuels me. So it's all about planning and how you carve out your time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I got my passion on the business side. 
I got my passion on the personal side, and I got a passion on the people on the community side. Right. Right. The community side are the three different things that I'm very passionate about. One is the veterans. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm a coach and a mentor for Navy SEALs and Special Ops that are transitioning to civilian life. Mm -hmm. And then the homeless, is, that's another passion of mine. And I love cooking. So I help this church. I help cook and prepare the food and feed the homeless every Friday without fail for the past seven years. Man. Right. Consistency. Yes, exactly. And then the last one is helping kids. Going back to my roots again, helping little kids in rural, different countries in rural areas. Mm -hmm. My wife and I do a fundraiser where we raise money and build free student homes in India, all over India. Yeah. Through this organization, we've built around 100 homes all over India where the kids can come to school and we take care of everything, their medical, housing, clothing, the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. To me, that's my legacy. Mm -hmm. That's my giving back, right? To me, talk is cheap. Action oh, speaks louder, mm -hmm. right? So I want when I'm talking to someone, they say, oh, yeah, it's great. Plus, I'm also doing it. You know, go check it out. I'm actually doing it, mm -hmm. right? Because I know a lot of people who talk a big game, but the action's not there. Yeah. <laughs> they got a big bark, but no bite. Exactly. Uh, when it comes to you being able to go back to these places that you've given so much to, um, you know, what's the feeling that you get when you're physically there and when you get to see the smiles on these kids' faces and maybe what their conditions were before? Priceless. Priceless. Just to see, oh, my God, I've impacted that life. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And majority of them come to me as like, you know, Dr. Ravi, can, what can I do for you? I said, that's just one thing you can do for me. It's like, what is it? They're all so excited. Yeah. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. Mm -hmm. the advice to everyone. The more you give, the more you're going to get back. It's mm -hmm. just amazing how the universe works. That's one of the reasons why I do so much. Not because I'm expecting something in return. Yeah. You know, to me, my return could be that person is developing, the mm -hmm. love that I get, the peace that the, that household has right now, and things like that. You mm -hmm. know, not necessarily monetary or fame and things like that. Yeah, recognition that, or exactly. something. Exactly. So it's just, and you don't know. And I, I think we're all here in this world to do make a difference. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's how I try to live my life. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm trying to find the ways that I can give back. And I think that um, a way that I can share what I have is to bring people as impactful, as inspiring, as ambitious as you and speak to the people who were from the neighborhoods that I grew up in. So uh, I think I'm trying to follow in Dr. Ravi's footsteps in that way. Um, my other question for you is um, I see that a good slogan and a constant slogan of yours is change is the only constant. Um I know that's something that you live by. Have you, as you have moved positions and up the ranks within companies um, that you work for, what new responsibilities did you have? So, I had multiple. You know, that's just not one, okay. right? Uh, I was always in technology, and that went into business. And when you're working technology, and when you're managing large groups of technology. Mm -hmm. People don't come to you to come shoot the breeze. No, not at all. <laughs> they come to you because something is broken. <laughs> so, so, so the biggest thing is when you're dealing with technology, things are going to get, things are going to break, yeah. right? The important thing is how quickly can you recover? Mm -hmm. The same applies to life too. The, you know, the person upstairs is going to throw you some curveballs, but how quickly can you recover? Right. Right. Having a, you know, a, some kind of strategy in place, a mitigation plan and things like that's important, mm -hmm. Right. Right now, with the advancement of digital technology, mm -hmm. right, there's something, there's a term that they use that amplifies change. That's called VUCA, V-U-C-A. Okay. That means a world full of volatility, uncertainty, you know, complexity, mm -hmm. and ambiguity. 
and just things like you know you don't know you don't know what's going to happen because technology is growing so fast yeah. and we live in an economy right now it's called on demand economy where everybody needs instant gratification mm-hmm. case in point uber airbnb netflix you can just go on and on yeah. right so change is the only constant it, we, we, right now the only challenge is the change is growing at an exponential level mm-hmm. so you have two choices right you can have a fixed mindset or you can have a growth mindset you can be reactive or you can be proactive mm-hmm. so that's why it's important that you have certain fundamental skills regardless of what's going to happen mm-hmm. in terms of making sure that you can adapt to the change because change is the only constant yeah oh man and um also uh, one part that we haven't spoken about yet that I would like to speak about is a beautiful woman by the name of Kavita uh, this is a woman who I've gotten to know and I would like to if you don't mind um, you know, share how her impact on you becoming successful and you getting to where you would like to be and um, how has she been uh, instrumental in, in your life? Oh, she's my rock. She's my rock. We've been, we just celebrated our 30-year wedding anniversary. I'm not even 30 years old. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people ask me, it's like, oh, how do you do it? And I tell them it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of give and take, right? It's a lot of compromises and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, Coming from the Eastern culture, we have this saying, you don't fall in love, you grow in love. Okay. You're not always going to like something about the other person, right? But you take the good and the bad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we, we constantly grew in love. In fact, the, the best compliment I could have got from my wife the other day is like when I asked her, you know, uh, why do you love me or why do you still love me? It's like, in fact, she said, I love you more than I used to love you before <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because we've grown in love so much more, mm-hmm. right? And we were always a very strong family. And she was always the anchor. Even Whatever I had to do, me having ADD, <laughs> wanting to do a million things, she was always there. She never questioned me because she knew my passion, mm-hmm. right? And she, when she does, just questioned me, it was always not in the middle of when I'm doing something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was after the fact. It's like, hey, I just let's do a retrospect mm-hmm. on what you just did here and things like that. Do you think it's your best use of your time, you know? Do you think you should have been here for the kids or whatever? Mm. She knows how to slap me without slapping me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was just amazing. So she's my rock. And uh, everything, I am what I am here. You know, I am what I am because of my mom. Mm. And then now because of my wife. Strong women. Yeah. How impactful they are on us. Yep. Yep. And then when it comes to um, the next generation, um, when it comes to the children, when it comes to uh, the people that you're giving, you know, food to, has anyone came back and let you know how much you mean to them? All the time. All the time. You know, it's just amazing because I get things, accolades from all over the place, and it's like, okay, I, I know I met you somewhere, but how did I impact you? Yeah, and yeah. that just gives me chills, right? And uh, just to see them develop, you know, simple things like even my employers, mm-hmm. right? My employees, that I used to work with previous companies or whatever, they still call me up. It's like, oh, I wish you were still my manager. <laughs> you know? Or oh, you were the best manager and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because I really took time to get to know them. You know, simple things like take writing handwritten thank you notes. Mm-hmm. That went a long way. It didn't cost me much, yeah. but that impacted them. You know, And I treated them like an adult. I told mm-hmm. them, you don't have to be here from 8 to 5. As long as the work is done, you're an adult, I'm an adult. I'm not going to hold you accountable to anything else. Yeah. So, you know, so that latitude and things like that was beautiful. And then just to see how kids have grown, you know, from where they were in poverty mm-hmm. to now going into corporations 
and then they're changing the next generation. That's what it's about. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Because the parents came here, and they worked with a lot of Hispanic kids yeah. coming from Mexico who were here, mm-hmm. and they wanted the kids to have a better life. So now I come into their life and impact even further. Now I'm impacting the generation. Yeah. You know, so it's the legacy. It's amazing. Man, that's going to be a tree that never stops having branches. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I was part of that. So how cool is that? Yeah, that's very cool. That's right. something that is impacting me now because, you know, if, you know, my mom knew about finances when she was younger, then maybe I wouldn't have student loans. Mm-hmm. So getting to the the previous generation and impacting them in some way and then seeing what other people's lives can come out of that change is, is great. That's a, that's something that I find important now. Yeah. What the important thing is about you, what you talked about is regardless of what situation you're in, right? It's not what happens to you. Mm-hmm. It's how you react to it and what actions you take. Definitely. Because it's so easy. Because, you know, I remember being in the dorm, you know, having a bag of chips. <laughs> for three days. For three days and crying, right? I could have, you know, reveled in self-pity and gave up and things like that. But I said, mm-hmm. no, I persevered, Yeah. right? It's, it's how you react to it. Mm-hmm. It's the challenges that you're throwing, you know, to see how well you are, how strong you are. Similar to setting goals, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about goals. To me, the journey is much more valuable, much more important than the actual goal. The goal is the gravy because the journey forms the habit, the discipline. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a goal of making a million dollars, right, you had certain things that you had to do to get to that million dollars. Mm-hmm. Let's say you go bankrupt the next year. You'll be fine because you already have the discipline to make another million. Yeah, the right? foundation is already set. Exactly, exactly. So I know that you're... Short on time, I know that I want to be respectful of you and the rest of what you have going on for today. Um, If you were to give someone out there who's 20, 21, 22, the same age as you when you first came to the United States, any sort of advice on, you know, how to move up within the ranks of life, what would you say? Uh, Three things. Never give up on your personal growth. Okay. Right. Always make sure you're growing, growing, growing. So part of that is making sure you have a growth mindset. Mm. Right. Second thing is humility. Right. Yeah. Be humble no matter, you know, where you are, where you come from or where you're at right now. Always practice humility. And the third is making sure you give back. Okay. Right. That's important because you will see the fruits of the labor many folds. Mm -hmm. Come back to you. Exactly. Okay, guys, I hope that this was very insightful for you. Uh, if you want to find any more information on Dr. Ravi Rajaratnam, please go to pickleadership.com. That's P-I-C leadership.com. Thank you for your time, Ravi. Thank you, Vernon. Have a great day.